0: Welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. As always, my name is Andrew. Kind of botched the intro there, but that's okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll just we're gonna roll with it. Um, this is gonna be fun. I'm super excited. You've come at a really great time. Assuming that you've already read the the title, yes, we are doing a very Christmas episode of Stamper Cinema, and we are going to be talking about the 1990 John Hughes written Chris Columbus directed masterpiece that being Home Alone and yes we've got Brandon Kirsty returning to the show Brandon hello how are you Good evening Mr Stamper how are you I'm doing well man I'm doing I'm doing really well it's been it's been uh, a little bit since we've had you on the show How's everything Yeah
1: uh been really good really really good uh busy but all good things uh yeah I think the last time if I remember correctly that we we got together on your show was for the 4th of July special the yeah. uh, sandlot i think which yeah we did the sandlot that lot. was that was a blast i remember um i got to tell you that that was a really fun one going back and listening um i was spending 4th of July in miami with my wife and some friends and i remember like being super stoked about it and I remember listening and I thought it was a really good episode.
0: It was, a I lot think it of came fun. out really well. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of downloads. I think it's in like the top five four episodes that came out this year. So, I mean, it, it did, uh, it, it did, it did well. And of course, it's fucking Sandlot. Everybody loves the Sandlot. Yeah. I mean, if you don't love the Sandlot, um, a lot
1: like if you don't absolutely love our next title, You know, there's there's some questions surrounding stuff like that. I just feel like, personally, I
0: mean, that's just you got to take a look in the mirror, friend. If you if you don't like either of these two movies, you need to take a deep, long look in the mirror and reevaluate yourself. Yeah, like big time, big time, big time. And 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 parents,
1: if you're if you're not sharing these movies with your kids, you know. You're doing an, um, a little bit of a disservice.
0: A little bit at,
1: at the right
0: age, of course. Of course, of course. And yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get into Home Alone. Obviously, this is a film that everybody knows. Uh, I mean, it's been around for thirty some odd years. It did pretty damn spectacularly in the box office. I mean, for a long time, it was like a top twenty movie all time. Like it's since now like gone on to like gross over like. Pfft, 450 million dollars in the box office worldwide uh at least domestically when it was first released it 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 grossed close to like 300 million i mean this movie i remember seeing it in the movie theater at least two times i may have saw more than that but this this was a this is a big movie big movie
1: i uh i actually have a little bit of a a uh factoid for you here andrew Ooh, do tell yeah i, I came uh, prepared this time <laughs> so uh so it was actually the highest grossing live action comedy from its release until the release of the hangover part two in 2011 Twenty-one years. Damn, that is. A Isn't good that fact.
0: crazy? Yeah, yeah, that's a great fact.
1: Crazy, and and actually, the movie almost didn't happen.
0: Yeah, do you know? Do you know anything about that? I know a little bit. Do you want
1: to save that for a little later in the show? Or no, do you I mean, wanna... if
0: you're gonna if you're gonna bust that out in the first like five minutes, and you might as well. So this great movie that everybody knows almost didn't happen. What? What what what's the story there? From the
1: way I understand it, um, Warner Bros. was originally attached to the film, and it was under Hughes, mm-hmm. um, you know, essentially promising that they would not go above budget and, you know, maybe a couple other things. I'm not sure, but I know the budget was a big part of it. Um, and he was actually having backdoor, you know, like kind of conversations with 20th century who ended up picking it up. Um, So inevitably the, uh, the, the movie was shut down because of budget overruns by Warner. And here comes 20th century, picks it up. And um, I think originally it was supposed to be like a 10 to $12 million budget ended up, getting shut down around 14 million at Warner and then ended up costing, I think somewhere around like 18, 19 million, Mm -hmm. um, somewhere around there. But I mean, crazy, just very, very, uh, it's always cool to see how some of these movies like get to the market. And then
0: looking back, it's like, how could you not want to make this movie at all costs? Yep. And that that's that's hundred percent accurate. I mean, there are other stories like this that have happened where you know movies almost didn't get made and then than they do and you know sometimes there are movies that ultimately shouldn't have been made. but this is one of like those great huge success stories of a movie that just freaking crushes it. and yeah, like monkey bone like monkey, monkey yeah bone, yeah they should have mm-hmm. never made that never, movie. never should have <laughs> made it was it.
1: it still to this day is the only movie. That I literally got up and walked out of. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, I was I was young teens, probably, I don't even know what year that came out. But you know, I wasn't that old. Even even that young, I knew that it was just trash. Just hot,
0: hot garbage. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think it had Brendan Fraser in it, it which did have I really Brendan like really in him, it. Yeah. So yeah. that made me sad, but at the same time, yeah, I, I feel like maybe it was like Childhood trauma a little bit. <laughs>
0: Anyways, back to the I mean it, it, it certainly was trauma for all <laughs> involved in that film. I mean, it, it ended a few it ended a few careers. Including ever. the animated creatures. I mean, yeah. I feel yeah. for them. They yeah. have rights too. They have rights too. Now, this movie, if you've been living in a fucking barn, this is the story of eight-year-old Kevin McAllister and his family he's running amok the night before the family is supposed to go on a big trip to Paris. Everybody's in there. There's a house full of people and Kevin McAllister, you know, uh, acts a fool. You know, he gets in a fight with his brother. He's sentenced to spend the night on the third floor. But when the family accidentally oversleep, everybody's in a giant like if they got to get out of the house so that everybody's running around, they leave, hop on the plane headed to Paris halfway through, they realized they forgot that Kevin McAllister was sleeping upstairs all along. So now they're in an entirely different country halfway across the world. And this eight year old has to fend for himself for a few days, not to mention that there are a couple con men that, that a uh, plan to rob the house as well as all the other houses on the block. And he must defend all that he holds sacred while he is home alone. How was that? Was that good?
1: You know, I, I gotta tell you, Andrew, really great summary to the point where I was like listening t- to you talking and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what, this is really good. I want to pay attention. But at the same time, I really want to tell him that you need to put some like sound effects Behind your summaries, <laughs> and, you know, because mm. I feel like you do a really good job. Um, there's a missed
0: opportunity there, yeah.
1: Articulating yeah. it, hey, there's there's you know post production. Yes, send yes. it over. I'll put some down on
0: on it for you. All right, I love it. Maybe yeah, it'll be something absolutely. that I work for on a, for for next season. We'll start looking at uh, other little other little bites. Now, there you go. Uh, now, f- go ahead, no, please.
1: Well, I was gonna say now. You know, really great summary. I was reading a story um, – this is like one of my absolute favorite movies. I think we were talking about our next, you know, one of these, these podcasts and – um we were talking on the phone and I think when we landed on home alone, we both knew at the, at the same time, like, look, this is the absolute perfect movie. You know, I think a lot of people forget that it is a Christmas movie or a holiday movie. Um, you know, especially in its setting, but I'd say it's definitely up. There is one of my favorite, it's definitely my favorite holiday movie. I think it's ranked pretty high on holiday mm-hmm. movies. Um, but I think the only thing that really – because there's so many facets to the story. The only thing that may – you know, overshadows I think the plot is, is the casting because mm. the casting is just, you know, looking at some of the parts, um, especially some of the smaller parts. Uh, I think they did a really good job casting – I think they hit some people in their prime. I think they hit. And and then, of course, you see the rise of Macaulay Culkin after that big time. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. And yeah, I think that was a
0: perfect summation of the
1: movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, just uh, speaking on the cast, obviously, Macaulay Culkin is your star. And then your your two bad guys, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. The parents are played by John Hurd and Catherine O'Hara. Then you had old man Marley. Uh, the, the neighbor is an actor by the name of Robert's Blossom, who had been around forever. And then you had a lot of like John Hughes regulars like you had John Candy and you had um, Larry Hankin, uh, who plays like one of the uh, the police officers in, in the film. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that stands out. Of course, um, Macaulay Culkin's kid brother, Kieran Culkin, has yep. a small cameo in this mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to see. Was there anybody else that, not not that I was remembering, I I had noticed that uh, you know Macaulay Culkin's brother was in it, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, You know, I didn't really see any anybody else that really jumped out outside of the people that you had named. But even you're watching this season's kind of holiday advertisements at all. You know, she's in, in a uh, commercial, Catherine O'Hara, in a commercial with Kevin Hart. With Kevin Hart, yeah, doing the same kind of, Kevin! Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kevin! Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about this
0: movie, so. Yeah. Um, let do it. So, yeah, well, I mean, shit, let's get into it. We already kind of unpacked the plot a little yeah. bit. Uh, I mean, th- this movie is just going to be loaded up with kind of, like, little, like, fun facts, but I, I do just want to, just because you had mentioned, like, some of your your favorite uh favorite holiday films, this, this is up there. I mean, this is a staple. This is an annual tradition. I mean, watch this one every year, but what are, what are some other like holiday classics that you tend to find yourself gravitate, gravita- gravitating toward each year? Um,
1: You know, uh, Christmas story, I mm-hmm. think. And I yeah. think that's a pretty common one um, across the board. A lot of people's number ones. I know that growing up, like that's one of my dad's favorites. Um, the other one that I remember growing up with was, um, and I'm pulling it up to get the exact name of it, but it's just this like, yeah, While so I the, think it's Rudolph and the Island of the Misfit Toys. I don't know that one. I think so.
0: One. Um, let's see. What are some ones yeah, that I enjoy? It is. It's uh, oh
1: Rudolph, Rudolph and... Rudolph, the Red-Nosed-Ridden Deer, and the Island of the Misfit Toys. Um, Mm. So it looks like there's probably like a remake or something like that that came out uh, more recently. But this was was like an old film. Yeah. Um, Like 60s maybe. Okay. um, Something like that. It was all like kind of puppetry stop Mm. motion-ish. But I loved it. I loved that one growing up too. So, yeah, if you haven't if, if you haven't checked it out, at least pull up YouTube and uh,
0: check out like a little clip. It's very cool. Yeah, for sure. This is a pretty simple, pretty simple story. Um, I mean, we kind of unpacked it like from a plot wise, but I'm, I mean, there, there, there are some like so many fun conversational pieces, like where if you you know the first time you were left behind, or maybe you were never left behind, but the the first if you ever got lost anywhere or what is the scariest thing that ever happened to you as a child because obviously he's got the whole thing like in the furnace that he's terrified yeah i just want to think of like some fun but also kind of scary memories as a kid what stands out to you um
1: you know like as far as getting left alone or anything like that um, you know, one growing up as the oldest of four boys, um, we were never really alone. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, at least there was one of us, you know, another one of us hanging around. Yeah. Um, also, I remember I was 10 and I really wanted this uh Magnavox boombox with the CD player and the tape deck. Um, so I started babysitting at 10. So, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't really have a whole lot of fear around. Um, being home alone or anything like that. You know, us used to being outside, camping, all that stuff. And also, I think we probably both grew up when, you know, our parents would just throw us outside and say, go yeah. run around, you know, come back when the lights turn on in the streets
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: and kind of go from there. But I would say some like childhood fears. Um, I'd probably say like, 'Cause early childhood we lived in Minnesota and there were a lot of woods and stuff like that. And you know, up there there's a lot of big, bigger animals. Yeah. You know, anything from like wolves to moose to or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And as a kid Canadians. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> gotta watch out for <laughs> Terrence and Phillip. You never know. You never know. So or God, Justin Bieber might be in your backyard. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lord. You know? Um, but maybe like some of that kind of stuff when we when we were get like kind of deep in the woods or you know maybe like campfire stories I remember one thing that really got my imagination going were do you remember those those books um, that it was like um, I think Guillermo del Toro did a movie based on it or a show based on it but it was like you know, scary move. you know, scary stories to keep you up at night or something like that. And had like really weird, um, artists, you know, art, um, that kind of stuff kind of got to me. But as far as like everyday stuff or being home alone or strangers and stuff like that, no, I don't really have any memories. Um, I do remember my little brother got lost in mall of America one time which we lived in Minnesota. So we would Mm -hmm. go there, um, got lost somewhere in there, like ended up finding him in camp Snoopy, which is the indoor amusement park. (laughs) Um, you know, that type of thing. Um, and it was always the same brother getting lost. I think he did it on purpose. Um, (laughs) truly. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty fun childhood.
0: I mean, not really a whole lot of that kind of stuff. How about you? (laughs) Um, I mean, a, a a few times, a few times. The the one thing that always sticks out to me though was I got lost at Disney World once, and it was like the I was like seven years old, and it was myself, my two older sisters, my mother, and I was like kind of we were all like walking. And there was like this parade going on. I guess they have a lot of parades. I don't know. And I was kind of in the rear. I was just kind of watching them, but also watching the parade. And at some point, my sisters, my mother, like stopped to like drink some water or something. So they they turned and they had a seat. Well, I just kept on walking, and I'm just you know just having a good time watching this parade. And a few minutes go by, and I realize, wait, where the hell is everybody? And yeah. so naturally panicked, but. Like my, my training, my training uh, came through because before we got there, your
1: young training,
0: my young training, my mother had said, Hey, if we ever get separated, make sure you find somebody in uniform and say that you've lost your mom. So I'm like, all right, the real fucking test begins. I'm seven yeah. years old. I'm like, I got this. So I, I go into like a gift shop and you know, and, and, and I say, I, I've lost my mom. And she's like, okay. The the woman's like, all right, let's, you know, let me notify security uh, security came. We told the story. The guy hops on his walkie. You know, we've got a we got a seven year old kid that's missing his parents, and then there, there was like niner, a niner
1: niner. Yeah, <laughs>
0: niner niner. And it was like, uh, that what a coincidence. We've got a, a a woman here that's lost her son, and, <laughs> and um and so obviously we were able to you know get back together. But for that like fifteen twenty minutes, oh, that yeah. was utter terrifying. And yeah. when I think about it, like Kevin McAllister, he's eight years old and yo he's a g for handling that dude, He is a, a straight, straight fucking g. g
1: i think it kind of comes back to our last conversation if i remember correctly from the sandlot that like you know uh perception is reality like it's when they lost that ball uh yeah. like that was the end of the world because it, it that is the most intense thing they've experienced in their whole life now yeah. granted i think that people trying to break into your house is probably one of the more, you know, intense things people can experience period. Um, as far as like day to day thing,
0: random things happening to people. Um, but all the Dude, same, my man to an straight an up had like a whole like sheet, like, um, blueprint of everything he was going to do. Yo, fun fact also about this movie, you know, like the, this, plot seems a little crazy, but, you know, uh, it's not not completely out of the realms of possibility like the the idea itself actually came from John Hughes going on a trip and, you know, he's like, well, making a list of things that he shouldn't yep. forget. And he's like, man, yeah. you know, just don't forget your kids. And then yeah. that idea came to him it was like, well, what what about that idea? What about like, huh. yeah. And then John Hughes was such a prolific screenwriter that, like so many projects that he he wrote, you know, he'd churn them out in a couple of days. And this mm-hmm. one was no exception. He wrote the screenplay in in just nine days, which also might explain the fact that there are a few sizable holes in the plot in this movie but whatever, you know, not, not the, you know,
1: here's the thing still, I I don't think they matter. (laughs) It's like one of those, one of those, uh, you know, pieces of art or you just see something beautiful or whatever that you're like, Oh, that one thing. And it's like, are you serious? Who cares? You Mm -hmm. overlook it, you know? Um, and, and even the director, I believe I wasn't even originally slated to direct that film. No, Um, no, no, I think he was going to direct the Christmas vacation and like, correct. Got into it with Chevy chase or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Oh, Chevy. Yeah. So Chris Columbus, who had written a few, a a few big pictures had directed a movie or two and, and, um, john hughes hired him to direct National Lampoon's christmas vacation well shortly after doing that he got into a fight with chevy chase as many many people are prone to do and john hughes is like well that's that's cool i've got another christmas film that that i've drafted and here you go and he gave john hughes gave the keys to chris columbus for this film and it, it's so wild because The reason why he why John Hughes ultimately didn't direct it is he wanted to do uh, a little movie called Curly Sue, which would just happen to be the movie that was like John Hughes's like death nail. Like that was like the final like he he was done with directing after doing Curly Sue. Not only was like the movie a big flop, but he got into it with the like the the star of that film and just kind of lost lost the lost the edge if you will that and also because he was so close with uh john candy who was in this movie and was in uh Planes, Trains, and automobiles and uncle buck and shit. i think he even wrote uh natural lampoon's vacation right so he'd done a lot of stuff with john candy like the the, the sudden um albeit not completely unexpected unexpected but still sudden passing of john candy was like a big, like big deal breaker for John Hughes. He just kind of took a step back. He'd still write films, but not nearly to the extent that he was writing no. before. Yeah, And like the word is that he actually had like 25 scripted, like already written screenplays that he had in mind for John Candy, like 25 other like films that will, that just never, ever happened. Uh, because the only person he wanted for those for those roles was John Candy and the and let's I mean we I, I feel like I'm commandeering this conversation but it gives me an opportunity to really just start talking about John Hughes because it, he's one of my all-time favorite filmmakers and my man had a ridiculous run of of films from the early 80s and until this one which was the the biggest thing that he ever wrote and I know he didn't direct it but it's still a John Hughes film I mean this has so much John Hughes all over it, even though like one of the biggest things that works in this film was actually something that Chris Columbus brought into the story, and that was Old Man Marley. That was something that wasn't in the original draft, and that actually really, really helps flesh this whole thing out together. Is by having by having that neighbor. But anyway, so many tangents. I want to talk a little John Candy because he's great, but. This episode, I feel we're gonna just be a little conversational because there's not really a ton to unpack other than how the hell did Harry and Marv stay alive? Like, like the like, Kevin <laughs> like killed them like five times over in this film. Oh my gosh! Well, you know,
1: I think that um, I'll tell you this. You know, I may not have been scared or anything like that, but after watching Home Alone, don't think that I didn't. You know, plan how I would defend my house, Mm. you know, I mean, think about the imagination that, that, you know, or, 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 uh, places that that sends like, a you know, let's say eight to 13 year old kids mind to, yeah like oh i gotta protect my house like what what, let me go find like some uh some tar and some nails and like just an iron all the weapons everything that he had i just i can just picture now like with what kids have now like we, we would never we would never see those two
0: again no i i think of all the things that kevin did in that movie like where where did he even get half of that stuff but where did he also get like half the ideas To do the things that he did. Probably his
1: older brother.
0: Mmm. Mmm. Buzz. Yep. I I think one thing that we should talk about is really at the end of the day, the whole reason why this movie even exists is because Buzz is a dick. Like if Buzz wouldn't have just like eaten all the pizza or didn't, you know, or maybe had ordered a cheese pizza just for for Kevin, then none of that would have happened. He probably wouldn't have had to sleep on the third floor. In the attic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So buzz, buzzes, is, buzzes is are the reason. Yeah. And what's funny is when,
1: if I remember correctly, when Kevin wakes up, you know, when he had gone to sleep, he was like so pissed at everybody that he wished that his family would just disappear, disappear. like, or something like that, uh, or told Santa that, or something, you know, one way or another, wished that. And he wakes up and he thinks it happened. And so at first he's all like super stoked um, and really happy and everything like that Um, until he realizes that he's about to be burglarized Mm -hmm. (laughs) by the wet bandits, the wet bandits, the wet bandits. It's their calling card. They stuff like a napkin or whatever in the sink And turn on the faucet so it leaks everywhere, Mm -hmm. um, which I believe ended up being their
0: downfall in the end.
1: (laughs) um, Because (laughs) when the cops got them,
0: now we'll know every house you've hit. Yep, exactly. So, um,
1: I don't know. You know, I I, as I watch this movie again. I forget how much of the story there is because I think when you say home alone, you think, or at least for me, I think Kevin gets left, fights the burglars, gets his cheese pizza all to himself. (laughs) And I think of like the firecrackers and mm-hmm. I think the those stairs with the nail in it. And that's like all I really think of. But I just remember it being like such a fun movie. And so I, I remember watching it. And when John Candy came on on screen, I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's in this. And I was like so happy because even though he doesn't have such a huge role, it's like
0: it's John Candy. Yeah. It's scene so, stealing, and yeah, it's what, just what, like what, what's great this is made like, it better. it's all improvised. Like, I think he has like, yeah, like, I mean, there, he may have kept a couple things that were in the script. Gosh, so much of it was just John Candy being John Candy. Like, the whole bit when they're in the truck and he's talking about uh, that he left a kid alone in the morgue. You know, Mm -hmm. like that whole story was completely like improvised. And a lot of it was between Catherine and O'Hare and John Candy. They're both uh, Canadian actors that were part of this uh, this Canadian troupe and uh, show SCTV, which that that's who was in my backyard in Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. And, And and so like their their whole bit is essentially improvised, which a lot of what Catherine O'Hara did in this movie was kind of improvised or at least kind of like different. Like so like the scenes that she has with Kevin, because you know, like they're like the they're they're like laws that can't have kids after like 10 o'clock. And so some of like the scenes that we would ha- she would have with uh Macaulay Colkin, she'd be like talking to like a tennis ball, like if, if she, mm-hmm. you know, uh because of the fact that like based on hours and the way things worked. So a lot of the scenes that that they're in together when they're not actually sharing the same screen. She was kind of talking to a tennis ball because of like, there you're only allowed to have kids in there for like X amount of time and things like that. So the way the, the, the scenes that she shot were like done later. So just kind of like a fun little, fun little nugget.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting production fact. You know, I was thinking the other day and you know, with your background, maybe you can shed some light. Like, you know I love movies I love I love good movies I love good stories that can kind of take you away and that kind of thing and I think that's part of the magic of what makes the movie or film media so special because it's not just reading something it's not just you know hearing something it's it's experiencing you know at this point as many feelings as or as many senses as we can right there's not like smell of vision or motion vision or anything like that yet but um you know watching this movie um it definitely is one of those where you know you can picture yourself in it i think Mm. which is and i think that goes back to like Oh, when I was growing up, I didn't, I wasn't really scared of it, but I always thought of what would I do? So I think it hits a lot of different demographics too, because it's very relatable. Like I'm sure there's plenty of parents that have inadvertently, I hate to use the word lost, but, uh, misplaced their child momentarily, or maybe for, they go to Paris and, you know, they're stuck defending The Homestead Against Burglars, but at the same time, you know, for kids watching it, it's a totally different perspective. Um, Oh, totally. You know, and it's like, oh man, that either he's so cool or you know, what would I do? Or that's so scary. Whatever the reaction is, um, it's definitely one of those movies that speaks to I think a lot of age ranges which I think
0: is why it's such a classic too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I've, I, I've really been trying to analyze this movie because this is a film that is beloved, but it's also a movie that is heavily flawed. And when it came out, it was mixed to somewhat, somewhat positive, but tread lightly. Um, pardon me. <laughs> tread
1: lightly. Well what I'm saying Gentle. like critically
0: critically yeah. like uh some critics liked it some, it was kind of mixed but mm. but I think why this movie does continue to have legs is the strength of of the talent. Macaulay Culkin is, is perfect in this. The rest of the cast is incredible, you know like Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. They're wonderful. It's impossible not to enjoy um Catherine O'Hara's journey trying to trying to get back home to her kid you know there's just a lot a lot going on and then then you've just got the absurdities of this eight year old doing like crazy random shit like going going grocery shopping did he have uh, a nail gun? uh was a nail gun in this one? I think uh was uh, I can't remember if it was I think that was a nail gun in this one or the second one it's hard to keep track but I don't know but I'm just thinking he did have a BB like, gun in this one yeah he did have a BB gun well let's list
1: the let's list the booby traps so okay. i think there was what uh an iron there was the stairs with the nail mm-hmm. um there was what ice stairs water with ice or something? yeah stairs with the ice um had the paint can <laughs> the paint can, paint micro, can from the, the ceiling the bunker, or whatever. the micro machines yep um I feel like there were like, like, the, like the tripwire marbles or something. Oh, you said micro machines. There you mm-hmm. go, micro machines. Um, uh, tripwire. Um, let's see.
0: He the, there the
1: was feathers. something hot. He ha- heated up like the handle oh, the, of something. The doorknob. Yeah, 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 yeah. The doorknob. Yeah, doorknob. God, I remember when I think it was Joe Pesci went to open the next door. He put a rag on it because <laughs> <laughs> he was so terrified. Oh my gosh, those. Those two guys, you know, yeah, they were trying to break in. But, you know, on one hand, like, I felt so bad for them. You and have they to. They, you were, have. they showed true perseverance. Like, they did not give up. They I were mean, getting. That house was uh, the silver <laughs> tuna. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, that was. It was a gauntlet. It was a gauntlet. I'm surprised they actually, like, actually survived. I'm pretty sure in real life i mm-hmm. don't know if somebody would actually sur- yeah, in survive in real life that.
0: they definitely definitely died oh um <laughs> fun fact this movie there's a there's a, actually like a, a foreign like i can't remember if it's french or german movie that came out like around the same time as this and Stilling it's in their idea pardon me stole their idea i i i don't believe that John Hughes directly ripped off this other this other film, but there are some parallels. Yeah, so the the legend goes, and I, I've seen this movie. Like it has multiple different names, but we kind of like now know it as Deadly Games, which came out in '89, like a full like year before. And it's like this French horror film, similar kind of concept that mm, they um,
1: probably stole it from John Hughes.
0: Well, I mean, it came out before John Hughes, but so, I mean, they went into the future, stole it from John Hughes, and then went back and yeah. did it. That's what yeah, I was thinking. That, probably, probably. Yeah. Listen, John Hughes is not a fucking plagiarist. Um, but if you are curious about it, there is this movie called Deadly Games, which okay, it just has a different type of vibe entirely, but it is this this French film where there is this guy that Essentially tries to to rob this house and this kid is left to try to protect it in a different a different kind of way. But anyway, um did I have a train of thought? I don't know. I'm you know, you know what? We don't need to. This is just gonna be this is fun, man. This is this is home alone. This is Everybody a home knows Home alone this. love fest. Yes. Yes.
1: All right, okay, okay. How about this one? Do you have a favorite? Non, burglar-based
0: scene. Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything with John Candy. So the the scene where he's telling when he left the kid alone at the at the uh, the funeral parlor. There's that scene. Uh, what else do I love? I do love the the scene with the Santa where he's like, I, I you know, I know that. You're not the real Santa, but I know that you work for him, which made me think about that because I, I can't remember when I saw this movie, I would have been 11, but I, I, I can't recall if no, actually, I didn't actually now that I think about it. I did know the truth about Santa when when I saw this movie. But I also remember a time where I knew the difference between Santa and Santa's helpers that at different mm. different malls and things like that, Santa would have helpers. And my daughter, she's four years old and she's picked that up. She's like, she knows that the real Santa works at Fifth Plaza and <laughs> and there are other helper Santas at different places. The satellite than, Santas. The satellite Santas, exactly. Oh what about gosh. you? Uh any non, uh, any favorite non-burglar scenes? Um,
1: I'd probably say there's a couple. Um, one would be when he gets his cheese pizza all to himself and the delivery driver drops it off. And, um, he plays that movie where the guy's like, keep the change, you filthy animal, animal you know, and has the firecrackers. Yeah. Um, you know, has the firecrackers and everything like that like that's definitely and, and i relate to that because i used to love we used to run around with firecrackers all the time mm-hmm. um you know and probably that
0: um it's just like a recurring gag where <clears throat> he knocks over the statue and like the movers like knock over the statues a statue at the beginning of the film yeah uh, that, that pizza delivery guy though is really funny because like he calls out the tip in the beginning. He's like, nice tip. Thanks a lot. Like in the beginning. And yeah. then, um, then Macaulay gives him the deal, like, keep the change. You filthy animal. He's like, cheapskate. Like, so tips <laughs> are a big, a big deal to this oh, yeah. to pizza delivery guy who doesn't have a name, but I do love that he calls out the tip to, to, to the mother. He's like, nice tip. Thanks a lot. Made me think like, I don't know if I ever in all my years of service, whether I was in the restaurant industry or like like when I was in Bermuda, like I worked at the gas station, you take tips where I would literally call out the tip itself like, nice tip. Thanks a lot. It's just always like, sweet, I got money. And you just pocket that shit. Right.
1: So he's counting right, his right.
0: tips like in front of the woman.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, I think there were a couple times I did, but they were substantial. You know, like it, it was, oh, wow. Um, hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't – didn't directly say tip, but they knew what I was talking about. Yeah. But I, I'd say that scene and then, you know, another one that just sticks out to me is uh, Kevin's mom just screaming, Kevin! You know what I mean? mm mm-hmm. um, And then I think – the, the scene that I, I didn't remember was Kevin's trip to the church where he saw, uh, what was it, Old Man Marley? Mm-hmm. And like the whole, you know, side, side um, story of Marley and his granddaughter yeah. estranged, you know, and uh, Kevin's eight-year-old w- wisdom guiding yeah. him.
0: <laughs> What's your point? You should talk to your son. I mean, because it is John Hughes. There are a lot of like great lines in this movie. Some of the lines are just kind of like throwaway stuff, but uh, like Buzz had a couple like really great, great gems. Like, I wouldn't you sleep in my room. Wait, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. I think was uh, (laughs) which is a good one.
1: Yeah, and it's just like what. (laughs) And I think that's another thing about this movie that makes it, um, you know, I think a fun movie to talk about, uh, a great movie to watch and one that I think will continue to be entertaining for quite some time is, you know, even during this conversations, there's just so many different things that I remember and you remember. And, you know, you'll bring up something that I completely forgot about. It's so multifaceted and there's so many different fun
0: points to the movie. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not like it. There's like I I love the scene where he's talking to himself. Almost it's like like a journal. It's like I took a shower washing every major body part with actual soap, including all of my including all of my crevices. Including yep. in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before, but sort of enjoyed. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just so like random. Like, who is uh-huh. this <laughs> what does he say? Um like Buzz. Buzz does like and he's like, but like, aren't you worried about him? And he's like and he's like no. And then he's like, A, I'm not that lucky. Two we use smoke detectors and D we live on the most boring street in the whole United States of America where nothing even remotely dangerous will ever happen. Period. The good old buzz being, being an idiot. Um,
1: cut to burglars trying to hit every single, you know, house on the street. Yep. The wet bandits.
0: Oh shit. um, I'm trying to think. I mean, this movie, there's tons, tons and tons of scenes that that I just thoroughly get a kick out of. Obviously, the the scene with him and Old Man Marley in the church is fun and and you know, again, instilling that that eight-year-old wisdom. I am always fascinated by Old Man Marley lives on that street. How does he not see what the 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 wet bandits are up to? One well, again, this just goes back into the holes of of the screenplay. Oh well, no. And then two, like after he's like, we got to get you home. After like he lays out like Harry and Marv with the the big ass like snow yeah. shovel, like he's like, we got to get you home. Call the cops. Still, Kevin spends the night at his house, like as an eight year old kid. And the cops, like the cops, came burglarized and,
1: and they just left him.
0: And he's just like, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> eight year old, you know, hey, that, obviously has just, the hang of shit. That's
1: that's back then. Remember, like they just. They made us different back then. Yes, know. yeah. We were, we're kind of a different it <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We, you know, look, we were we were starting fires with two sticks at the age of
0: three <laughs> and a half.
1: And, uh, you know, they'd send us out into the wilderness. And by the time mm. we came back at eight years old, we were ready to defend that house. Hell you yeah. Know? And that was just expected of us back then. So, you know, it, it's, it's definitely... A movie that reflects the time and the hardiness of, you know, people from that time.
0: Like, yeah. Us. Speaking of people from that time, I mean, we've talked a lot about Kevin and how he makes this work. Uh, a character that we haven't mentioned, and maybe because he's an asshole, but he deserves to be discussed in some capacity, is Uncle Frank and just how horrible <laughs> Uncle Frank is. Man. Fuck Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank, man.
1: (laughs) That's all I'll say. Yeah. I feel like there's a good t shirt opportunity there, just like a cartoon version of Uncle Frank's face and just say, fuck Uncle
0: Frank. Fuck Uncle Frank. And it makes me think like, there, I mean, there are multiple movies that have like deadbeat family relatives, but I like, I'm hard pressed to determine like who's the worst extended family member. (laughs) in Ooh. in like kid films. I think of Uncle Frank from this one and I think of um, Grandpa Joe from like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory.
1: Like, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um oh, I got one. How about Harry Potter's cousin?
0: Oh, well I mean just the that whole the, that whole family, the mom, yeah. dad mm, and Petunia, Uncle Vernon and Dudley. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, that they're, they're, that's some pretty bad extended family Yeah, no, they're terrible um like what, also what there, there's a line in it he's like we even let you have uh dudley's second bedroom of yeah. <laughs> the kindness of our own heart in, <laughs> in the second one we even let you say a dudley's second bedroom it's like no
1: you're terrified man yeah um what else was the? yeah so that's a good one you know obviously anytime there's like some evil twin but i feel like you have to automatically throw those out Mm-hmm. um i feel like you have to they have to at least be like semi on some type of terms
0: not just yeah. say evil yeah i'm trying to think like well i wouldn't really nah i was like well maybe uncle rico but no you kind of love uncle rico and uh napoleon dynamite
1: yeah i know he's endearing yeah, he's charming. Um, they don't funny. hate him either. Like you know, no. and and he doesn't like cause any major problems. I don't no, feel he like he's like he not does. a major dick.
0: He does grab a steak and like the Napoleon in the face uh, when Napoleon's true. on like the bicycle. Um,
1: That's, that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say probably like um, Buzz is kind of bad. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the you know, Dudley and company from Harry Potter's pretty darn bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, but from kids films, Hmm. There you go. We're going to throw that one out to the listeners.
1: Yeah. Oh, on that note, um, dear listeners, I was hoping that we could hear a little feedback from you guys, what you like, what you don't like, what you might want to hear more of, or maybe some movie suggestions. Um, you know, for me and Andrew to talk about based on kind of the genres we've talked about together before.
0: hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. OK, uh, yeah, please. What whatever you hear, anything you want us to discuss, please throw that out there. Now, in talking about this movie, I, I want to cover cover just a couple like fun like production notes. Yeah, this movie obviously was shot in Chicago. Uh, or at least in like one of the like the the suburbs of of Chicago. That some place that John Hughes loves. So like, have you ever seen Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's or Sixteen Candles or Plain Trains, and Automobiles or Uncle Buck or She's Having a Baby? They all are filmed in Chicago. Now that iconic house that everybody knows from the movie that like sold uh, a few years ago. Most of what like. Th- most of the shots that we see inside that house were not actually in the house. Like the only stuff from the house that you really get is like inside the landing and like that staircase. But a lot of the good stuff was done like in sound stages or the uh, like the the high school itself. Like, mm. um, well, I say the high school itself, but like the high school that was used in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is used in this movie. So like the flooded basement, if you will. That was like mm-hmm. done in like the, the swimming pool of the high school and the police okay. station uh, scene. That was all done in the, the same high school that they they shot Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But much of the film that they use. And again, a lot of the stuff with uh, Catherine O'Hara, like individually, that those were like done in, like sound stages and things like that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just always find stuff like that kind of fun. Yeah.
1: I think one other really cool thing about this uh, movie is I feel like, and I could be completely wrong, but a lot of movies that like star kids, because, you know, yes, there are some other major stars in it, but let's just be honest, it's carried by Kevin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of them won't. I guess have the same type of viewership and I think it's just a testament kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, as far as like the strength of cast and the acting and, and the story that like, you know, here you have this eight year old kid that is capturing the viewership across all age ranges mm-hmm. um, probably for multiple different reasons. And I just think that's really cool. I think it's yeah. unique about the the movie too, because I don't feel like there's
0: a lot of movies that are like that. No. Um, <clears throat> this movie has another element of heart that we haven't mentioned. And that's like the the soundtrack that was like composed by John Williams. One of, you know, I, I want to... I mean, It's weird to say it's one of his best because John Hughes. I mean, John Williams is just banger after banger. Whether it's you know what he did with Star Wars or Indiana Jones or or Jaws or Jurassic Park or a myriad of Hans Zimmer. But I mean there's there's a conversation about Hans Zimmer, but this is this is a John Williams uh this is a John Williams joint, right? So which is funny because he wasn't the original composer that they wanted. They wanted really? uh yeah, they wanted this guy, Bruce Broughton, <clears throat> who did um what was a film that he did? Was it it might have been Adventures in Babysitting, but the the composer they wanted was working on another movie at the time. Interesting. So yeah.
1: not the original director, not the original composer. Mm-hmm. And look at that.
0: Yep. But the not original, the original studio. Yeah. Not the original studio. Yeah. Good call. Look at that. It was the original actor. They always wanted Macaulay Colkin for this. It was something that John Hughes wrote for him because they had worked together on Uncle Buck. Right. Just uh, a year or two earlier. And when Macaulay Colkin was actually like eight years old when he did this, like when he did this one, I think he was like 10 at the time or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Um, ugh. What else do I want to talk about? I feel again, this movie. So, like, you know, the movie, this is just kind of just talking about favorite parts. And this is just a, a love fast. Right. I mean, this is one of my all time favorite Christmas movies. I watch it every year. You mentioned A Christmas Story, arguably my favorite. I don't know. I've got like a short list of maybe like 20 Christmas movies that I have to watch each year. What um, are they? Or what are uh, what are some of the
1: highlights? Some of the highlights. I, mean, I know we've I mean, listed some of them already, like yeah. Christmas Story.
0: Um, yeah. So, I mean, my, it, it, most of mine are pretty safe. Like you, you should know these movies. There might be a couple. There are movies that I, I do like to throw out there just to – you know, get them to watch them each year. But A Christmas Story, Home Alone, uh, Gremlins, uh, Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes, it is. Uh Nash Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And then your classics like It's a, um, a Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. Those are those are movies that that I watch all the time. Over the past couple of years, I've gotten into a habit of watching Four Christmases, which isn't a good movie. Isn't that
1: the one with Vince Vaughn?
0: Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. It's not yeah. great, but there's a couple hysterical scenes in that film, just like next level hysterical. And oh, as a result, let me
1: check that out.
0: Yeah, it's it's not gonna blow you away, but there, like I said, there are a few scenes in it that are just just a. Uh,
1: it's n- worth not watching on your ass before. laughing
0: there there's just some really really great bits yeah. in it so yeah not not a wonderful film but i watch it every year <clears throat> another movie that i love and it's kind of like christmas adjacent is this english movie it's called about a boy and it has hugh grant and um i can't believe i forgot his name but it's like the first movie that uh, nicholas holt nicholas holt i think is his mm-hmm. name is that right I think Nicholas Holt might be somebody else. That uh, is a person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's Hugh Grant. Yeah. Nicholas Holt, who's like now like a, kind of like an A-list actor. I'll, I'll, he He's basically like now on the point, like he might be like in the short running to be like the next like James Bond movie. Right. But in this movie, it was like, his, it was his first movie. He was like this awkward, awkward kid. But the story of about a boy is it, a written, originally written by Nick Hornby but it's a story of this this guy that doesn't do anything he's just kind of like the cynical guy who whose father had written a song so he's never had to do anything so he's always right. been kind of like a like a grown-up man child but he meets a child and they 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 kind of connect and it's this kid teaches this adult how to be a man and this man teaches his kid how to be a a man you know it, it and it's really great and like i said it's christmas adjacent and it's fun because it's like dual narrators so you get hugh grant who, who he's narrating his own story and then you got nicholas holt who's narrating his story and just how it kind of like intertwines and it, it's, it's it's a good ride so if you haven't seen that that's interesting that's movie that i recommend yeah yeah
1: you'll, you'll have to send me the name of that um after oh, yeah. after we talk yeah a couple i'll definitely of put my it my in the new... show notes too I did absolutely love, um, you know, and it's cheesy and everything, but I do not care. Uh, Jingle All the Way. Love oh, yeah. that Jingle movie. All the yeah. And then Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: Nightmare Before Christmas, like Gremlins, is, you know, like one of those kind of like family uh, Halloween slash Christmas films. But definitely. That's what makes
1: it so great. Yeah. It's like it, a whole quarter of the it, year. It's a twofer.
0: It's a twofer. Yeah. It covers yeah. a quarter of a year. Yeah. Big fan We're of good. that. I do love the original Nightmare. i not Nightmare. Uh How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Like Ooh, the old yes. like sixties cartoon. Yes, love that. Yes. Yes. And I do like the occasional like Christmas horror film. Like there, there was this one in the 70s called uh Black Christmas. Uh-huh. And and it's a story of like these sorority girls, and they're kind of like picked off one by one. Oh, but gosh. the director of that is this guy by the name of Bob Clark who would then go on to direct a Christmas story so he directed like yeah, directed this iconic <clears throat> horror film for, about Christmas and then directed an iconic family film about Christmas so yeah I think
1: the only the only like horror-ish film that I've ever seen was I think it's called Krampus.
0: I haven't seen it. I know about it, it was, but I haven't ever seen it.
1: Yeah, it not necessarily memorable for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um did you how did you feel about elf now that we're just on Christmas movies?
0: Yeah. Before? Um or like holiday movies, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Elf, Elf is fine. I it's that, a movie that's actually grown on me over time. When I saw it, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It didn't blow me away, but over the years, Elf has has grown on me, so now I do have a, a stronger appreciation for it now than I did when it when it first came out.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I may owe it another watch here. You know, pretty soon, maybe it's been a few years, so maybe uh, I'll like it a little differently.
0: I could keep this podcast going on, just literally, you know, just tossing out. Uh, Christmas titles that I love, but this is all about Home Alone, and this is a movie that 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 I love. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already seen it. If you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing and just listen to just this ridiculous ride about about this uh, eight year old kid that that um fends off uh would be robbers in the most elaborate booby trap uh medley that's ever that's ever like been assembled like it really is uh, like it's a gauntlet it's, it's like a, a gauntlet. gauntlet it's a labyrinth
1: it's it's like we said earlier that if this was real life i do not think i i am pretty sure at least one of those people would have died
0: like it's the like where's the ambulance when they're being arrested <laughs> <laughs> why like why do they like after the paint cans, I would have been like, no, mm mm, like I'm not I'm not I'm not going upstairs. No. After no. I got a nail
1: in my shoe, yeah, like, I would be no. like, Yep,
0: I'm done. Yeah, after you've been like
1: tar and feathered, like <laughs> nope, I'm good. we need to re I'm reassess. Good. I'm good. It's not worth it. it's just But he's not gonna worth call it. the
0: cops like, from a treehouse? house. Um right. and then like trying to cross and then he cuts off the rope and then they slam into the yep. brick and then oh, drop God. like twenty feet. Like you're making me want to watch the movie. Dude, again. I'm gonna, as soon as we get off, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this on. But before we do, the time has come, my friend. Oh no. For your pop quiz. That I'm going to fail again. No, no, no. What's because my I've, running
1: tally on this?
0: Have I, I have I passed this one? one you're going to do exceptionally well because I've already <laughs> said a few of the answers. Probably not. All right, here we go. How old is Kevin? Eight. Eight years old. What item does Kevin shoplift? i got a question here about a toothbrush a toothbrush is this toothbrush approved by the american dental association i can't believe i missed that i can't believe you missed that either what is the name of the neighbor marley yep old man marley do you recall the name of the movie? that Kevin isn't supposed to be watching.
1: Oh man. Um, No, but you're gonna say it and I'm gonna say, I wanna say it's like- Angels with- I was gonna say like After
0: Midnight or something. (laughs) (laughs) Angels with Filthy Souls. Angels with Filthy Souls. And this is a good one, I like this one. Um, What is the name of the pizza company? that delivers oh, the pizza. Gosh. It's called Little Nero's, which is a total uh, obvious nod to Little Caesars and Domino's. I was going to guess uh Little Caesars. Yeah. And then oh, wow. I'll give you a bo- I'll give you a bonus question just to just to help you out a little bit. What's the name of the robbers not their names, what is the name of their outfit? What are they what are they called?
1: Like a like a trench coat.
0: Yeah. What's 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 their calling card? They're the oh the wet bandits. The wet bandits. Yeah. Not too bad, sir. You got one, two. You got three. We'll just say you got three out of five. Uh, uh, It's okay. You, You you did good. I'll survive. Um, I'll survive. Favorite favorite role in the film? Who's your favorite character? Kevin uh, aside. I mean, Kevin. Oh Kevin. man. John Candy. John Candy. Absolutely. I mean,
1: and and like it's not even fair. I'd <laughs> say it's not even fair. And and Oh god. He doesn't oh, god. even have a huge role, but it's John Candy. hmm
0: There's Few people like more genuinely lovable like when you just see him you just you just love john candy it's impossible not exactly and then just the role of like gus Polinski, polka gosh. king of the midwest you know uh hmm. we hold we sold about 750 copies oh in chicago no sheboygan we're very big in sheboygan just like that shit he just made up oh, like gosh. on like boom just him and her just going back and forth just just pure gems Oh my and gosh. that was somebody that he always wanted for, for that role. Uh, the, the role of Harry played by Joe Pesci wasn't the original, the original pick. Uh, they had looked at Ro- uh, Robert De Niro. They had looked at Danny DeVito, uh, but Joe Pesci got that gig because he, for the most part was known for his dramatic chops. And then he did mm-hmm. this one in a comedy and then, a couple of short years later, he would do another iconic comedic role in, in uh, "My Cousin Vinny," mm-hmm. which is you know perfect. Daniel Stern, I believe they wanted from like the get-go uh, that was somebody, but I think they also looked at like Michael Richards, mm-hmm. uh, who you know played Kramer on Seinfeld, was somebody mm-hmm. that they had looked at. Um, I'm trying to think. If there's any anything else that's really interesting that should be noted again the script was written in approximately like a week and a half like nine days and you already told a great story about the studio but i think we uncovered something really fun today is not the original studio not the original composer not the original director um nope. that's yeah so good stuff to be had and shout out to macaulay culkin i mean this is a movie that really although he had done a couple films before this is a movie that really put him on the map unfortunately he had a just like a a rise like a meteor and then just uh, that star fizzled out really fast due to you know shit that unfortunately like behind the scenes and I'm glad that he's found his way like in adulthood and he's in a good place but this was the biggest kid on earth right like like when you're like 11 and 12 years old and your best friend is Michael Jackson like you're you're that's a pretty like, big fucking like that's like kid.
1: Shirley Temple level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there there've been there have, you know there there have been child actors throughout the Not years, like right? That. Like 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 Drew Barrymore huge, right? Shirley Temple huge, right? These were all but like this this kid it was Macaulay Culkin. Was making serious bank because of the success of this movie. Like you know, he did Home Alone 2, right? And uh, that movie, you know, he got paid, dude. The advertising for like Home Alone two, too, like you remember, like Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi, right? Yeah. In this one, and then in Home Alone two, the sponsored uh, soft drink was Coca Cola, which yep. was good. Like Coke's, like, no, we we want in on this one. Um, but yeah, like Macaulay, man, what a what a what a rise. A fun little fun little fact. When I was in middle school, I convinced. I always I, I say, like, my entire class, but that's not true. It was just, like, a few people, really. But I <laughs> convinced a few people that I was Macaulay Culkin' stunt double. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was just, uh, I was playing baseball, like, you know, like, Little League type stuff, and talking to a couple, and I was talking to, like, the, a couple, like, younger kids. They're like, well, who are you? I'm like, well, I'm Macaulay Culkin' stunt double. And they were, like, blown away. But there were a couple, like, classmates of mine that overheard that. They're like, shit, is he really? And they, like, took me at, like, face value, and I just, I perpetuated that, that's amazing that myth. So the scene where like he sleds down like the staircase, I can yeah. people that was, that was me. You. Or, like when he was zip lining from the house into the clubhouse. That was me. That was, you. That was totally me. How'd you do yeah. it? Um, lots of training, lots of training, lots of training at nine years old. Yeah. 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 Even though it's like his stunt way. double was like a grown ass man, but uh, whatever. But Brandon, that's really all I've got today. This has been fun just going back and chatting, you know, seeing what you like about this movie, why you continue to watch it, why I continue to watch it, even in adulthood. So Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, sir. And And happy holidays to our listeners. Happy holidays. So, yeah, whether you're into the the whole Christmas spirit or, you know, you're celebrating Hanukkah or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, or Festivus, whatever, whatever. Whatever is your holiday of of, of 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 choice. I hope it's a good one this year. And Brandon, please take us on out. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. All right. And that is it this week. As always, thank you very much for listening. If you could take a moment to... Leave us a review, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Please take a look at my website, stampersinema.com. If you have any any suggestions on ways that we can improve it, you know, you can leave us a message or take advantage of that voicemail feature that we've got on there. And just, you know, you just hit that little button and you can just like leave a little message on what we're doing with a uh, Stamper Cinema. And please take a look at those show notes because we'll I have a couple links on the movies discussed, and a couple other little like plot um things here and Yeah, that's all I've got. We'll see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema.